Satsang is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the direct discovery of the love that you are, your eternal nature in the core of your being. This is the purpose of Satsang, Sat, which is consciousness and Sang, being, right? Conscious being. So when you attend satsang, you are attending to the living truth that you are. You are literally sitting in your heart as love. That is the nature of satsang. It is the pure presence of God. And it's this pure presence of God that transforms your mind it turns the mind inward to the direct realization that there is no mind and there is no ego, right? And this can happen instantly, a instant shift in your consciousness. A deep feeling that I am home for some people, but not everyone can hear the message of satsang. Many people come to satsang and they miss the message. They miss the teaching. It doesn't fit with their idea of what it means to be successful in life. It doesn't fit with what they want, right? It doesn't fit with their specialness or getting specialness because ultimately enlightenment is ordinary, right? It's the realization that you are the ordinary living presence of God in the heart, which is pure happiness, pure love. The deepest compassion and humility come from heart. So it's about love. Satsang is love but not ordinary relationship love of two people. It's the love of God. It is divine love and it's unconditional. And it is a ruthless fire of grace that destroys all that is false about you. Every idea you have about you, your past, your future, your plans, your goals, your aspirations, and your meanness, your judgment, your fear and anxiety, anger and rage is destroyed in the fire of grace that satsang represents. That's the purpose of satsang, is to flush out, to burn through these false ideas which live in mind and ego. Revenge lives in the mind any action to take revenge or get revenge or to prove you are right and the other person is wrong is mind and ego only. It has nothing to do with heart. It's mind closing on the idea that you are right and the other person is wrong and the revenge is I'm going to prove they're wrong, right? Or I'm going to judge them in my mind. This is all mind. Judgment, fear, anxiety, anger, 
These are the ancient coins of suffering that are deeply rooted in the egoic identification with the body or the deep feeling you are your body, right? It's a deep feeling. And to overcome this feeling takes a fierce desire to be free, a fierce, intense desire for freedom, liberation from the bondage of the mind, which has literally caused you to have lifetimes of suffering, right? So there has to be this fierce desire for liberation. That's a prerequisite. If you don't have the fierce desire for liberation, the seduction of the world, the seduction of your problems, your worries, your plans, your aspirations, will pull you into Maya, the great illusion of the world, to pursue that, to pursue your desires. And these ancient coins are what keep that cycle of suffering in place. And the first coin on one side is fear, the other side is doubt. Fear and doubt. The second coin is attachment and desire. And the third is pride and arrogance. These three coins are ancient, centuries upon centuries old. And it's the currency of suffering, right? It's what keeps you suffering. And the root of it is ego. When you are liberated, there is no fear. There is no doubt. There is no attachment, no desire. And there is no pride or arrogance. There's the deepest, most profound compassion and humility. The coins of suffering have been released when you're fully liberated. So when you think of Jesus, Jesus was a guru. He was someone who was enlightened. He was fully liberated and free and happy and overflowing with love and compassion and joy, right? And he was sharing his joy, his love, his capacity to heal wherever he went. He was living spontaneously from the truth of his being, which is the purest love, right? The purest compassion and humility. He was living that as that, right? And there's this beautiful story of Jesus and he's sitting on a boat and it's really this beautiful image of Jesus sitting on a boat addressing a very large crowd and he's trying to explain that not everyone will hear him. Not everyone will understand him. Not everyone will receive the grace of the truth he was relaying to them, right? And he always spoke in parables as a kind of code. And 
Ramana Maharshi is a code breaker. He actually reveals the truth in just about any scripture. Once you start to have the direct experience of who you are, you can pick up any sutra of the Buddha and have complete and total understanding of what is being relayed. And the same is true of these parables of Jesus. So he's sitting on this boat and the disciples, of course, are closest to him. And he's looking out at the crowd and he said, there is a sower of seeds, right? This is someone who plants seeds. It's a famous parable in the Bible. And the sower throws the seeds out and some of the seeds land on the side of the road. Some of the seeds land on rocks. More of the seeds land in thorns, right? A thorn bush. And only a small amount of seeds land on fertile ground, right? And then one of the disciples say, well, why do you talk to us like this? Why don't you just say what you're saying? <laughs> and the reason is it's almost impossible I would say it is impossible to describe in words the truth of who you are. It's just simply impossible. It can be pointed to. It can be revealed through the grace of God, through your own attention. You can directly experience it for yourself, but in terms of actually describing it with any accuracy, it's impossible but you can directly experience it. So this is really what Jesus is speaking to. And he, he basically looked at the disciple and said, well, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But not everyone can hear this truth. Not everyone will hear the secret, will receive the secret teaching, right? It wasn't that he was intentionally trying to hide it, it was just impossible to speak it, right? So there had to be a certain maturity in the student in order to understand and receive the teaching. And this is so very true to this day. In order for you to understand the teaching of Ramana Maharshi, there has to be a certain readiness a certain maturity and willingness to pay attention, to listen very closely and open up your ears, right? And hear on deeper and deeper levels. So this is what he said to the disciple, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given, meaning they will not be able to receive it so he speaks in this parable about the seeds and then he explains it, right? So the seeds that fall, fall along the side of the road are eaten by birds. And these seeds are people who do not understand the teaching at all. It makes no sense to them. It doesn't fit in with their life or their plans or their wants or desires or their fears or their doubts 
or their pride and their arrogance. It doesn't resonate with them at all. These are the side of the road people, right? <laughs> and then there were the seeds that fell on the rocks. So these are the rock people. And the rock people actually do understand they receive the teaching and they understand the teaching and might even have an experience of the truth of themselves they might have an awakened moment and and i've seen this many many times in satsang where someone has an awakened moment but it doesn't take root so they might have a profound shift in consciousness during satsang, but it doesn't last. So rock people have this hearing of the teaching, an experience of the teaching, but it's like all other experiences. It comes and it goes. It is meaningless in the long run because they get pulled back into their life and their problems and their desires and attachments, their fears, their doubts, their pride and their arrogance, right? These are the rock people. And then there are the seeds that fell in the thorn bush, right? And the thorn bush grows up and chokes the life out of the seeds. And these thorn people are people that and if you think of thorns they're prickly they're sharp they you know if you put your hand in a thorn bush you're going to get stabbed right so you're getting bitten by a thorn bush <laughs> so these are people that hear the teaching have profound experiences of the teaching really receive the teaching but the seduction of the world chokes this teaching out of them. They get seduced back into Maya, into the supreme illusion, the promise that things will make you happy, that relationships will make you happy, or places, or fixing your life will make you happy. So the seduction of the world chokes the life of the teaching, right? It chokes it out. It kills it. And then there's the seeds that fall on fertile ground. And these are the people, the ground people, are the people that hear the teaching, experience the teaching, and live the teaching, apply it in their daily life. I mean, they deeply hear the call of freedom. They respond to the call. They understand the teaching, and they apply it. These are the people that bear much fruit, right? This is what Jesus said. They bear, they're the ones that bear the fruit. And if you think about fruit, if you think about an apple tree or a pear tree or an orange tree, if you plant the seed of any of those trees, it takes years for the fruit to appear, right? So what he's saying here is that you have to practice in order for your practice to bear fruit in order for you to become liberated. That's what he's talking about. So the seeds that fall on the side of the road are eaten by birds. This is the ego, 
right, is so dense, so thick, the mind is so closed that those people don't receive the teaching at all. They don't understand it. They think it's ridiculous. They walk away. The rock people hear it, have the experience, but they're seduced by their problems. They get pulled back into life, into their problems, into fixing their life, changing their life, pursuing desire. And then there's the thorn people that hear it, understand it, have an experience, and still Maya, the great illusion, the supreme seduction of pleasure, right? The promise of pleasure and the avoidance of pain pulls them back into samsara. This is the great ocean of suffering which continues for eons upon eons upon eons. So this parable, this story that Jesus was telling to the crowd and to his disciples is relevant today, right? The same thing is happening today. Most people come to satsang, they do not hear it. They do not understand and they do not apply it. Those are the seeds that are destroyed by the ego, right? And then the rock people, the thorn people. But satsang is this precious opportunity to hear it deeply, receive the teaching, become the teaching, apply the teaching, and over time it will bear fruit. And the fruit of liberation is love, compassion, and the deepest humility for yourself and for everyone. Because there is the deep realization when you're liberated that everyone is you. There is no separation. Everyone is the pure consciousness of God, pure awareness, right? And the love is simply huge. The happiness, there's no words for this kind of happiness. It's beyond human happiness. And the humility is the deepest, most gentle humility. And you radiate that. And if you think of Jesus and you think of Ramana Maharshi, it wasn't just what they said. It was this radiant presence of their being that deeply affected people that came into their presence. It stopped people's minds and it pulled them into the love of the heart. So even the roadside people that didn't understand, they felt it. At least in that moment when Jesus was speaking, they felt something is different here. These words of Jesus are different. I feel something. I might not understand it, but I feel it deep inside, right? So he was this radiant presence of love, compassion, and humility. And so is Ramana Maharshi. The teaching is the same. The teaching of Jesus and the teaching of Ramana is the exact same teaching. 
It's just that Ramana is the code breaker. And once you have that cipher, once you understand the code, then all scripture makes sense. The words of Jesus make perfect sense, right? There's a deep knowing, yes. He is pointing to the truth inside. This is the grace and gift, the eternal grace and gift of Jesus, this eternal love, this eternal presence that you are, that he came to bear witness to, right? And he said the first and greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. All your mind, all your heart, and all your soul. And if you love God that much, that's bhakti yoga. That's total love. That means you are love, right? You become love if you love that much. And then he said the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are the same love in the core. So satsang is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And you can begin at the end instead of waiting to begin. Right? You can begin with compassion, love, and humility. You can cultivate compassion, love, and humility in your heart by tossing out the coins, the ancient coins of suffering, the currency of the world, which is fear and doubt, attachment and desire, and pride, right? And arrogance. You toss out those three coins and you give your attention to your heart and cultivate the ground of your heart, right? So that you can bear the fruit of liberation. So how do you cultivate humility? Well, you start with love. How do you cultivate compassion? You start with love. How do you cultivate humility? Love again. It all boils down to love. Satsang is love. God is love. You are love. Everyone is love in the core. Right? This is what Ramana meant when he said the heart is the only reality. Love is the heart. The divine love that you are, which is eternal. Eternal salvation in the heart. So you cultivate this in your heart through love or the three practices, which is self-inquiry, who am I, right? Who is suffering? Who is upset? And you stopped reacting to your circumstances. You stop fighting back. You stop seeking revenge. You stop judging. You stop hating. You forgive and let go and return to the heart again and again and again until there is no one to leave the heart or return to the heart. You are love. This is the practice 
And this is the result. Love is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. You are the Alpha and the Omega. So you can begin at the end or you can begin at the beginning. And either way, you must practice, right? Practice is essential to become established in this living truth that you are love. You can have the direct experience instantly, but to bear fruit, for it to really live in your life, practice is essential for the majority of people to burn through the egoic identification and the mind which is the invisible barrier that keeps you from this love that you are, from a direct realization of the love that you are. You are love, period. You are the beginning and the end. You are love without end, divine compassion and humility. But only you can realize this for yourself. Only you can, can cultivate the garden of your heart and live in the Eden of pure love, compassion, and humility. And until you start to emanate that wherever you are, you become the radiant presence of love in the core when you realize on a deep level you are that love. You are the radiant light of God, which is the purest, eternal love. Thank you so much for listening. This is Koshi, and I'll be talking to you again soon. Mm -hmm.